Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and today I'm chatting with the wonderful Sri Steep. Sri is an initiated womb priestess, bhakti yogini, nidrista, and singer-songwriter. Her voice has been described as activating, opening, and unlocking, and she frequently fills studios for her contemplative, responsive, and deeply intuitive yoga nidra and song experiences. Sri is continually on a journey to discover and embody for herself the deep and mysterious truths of the universe, and this quest has led her down many mystery paths. She has studied with numerous luminaries in the field of the womb, including Dr. Uma Dinsmore-Tuli, Seren and Azra Bertrand, Maria Stark, and more, and now shares what she has learned in her own courses, retreats, and initiatory training experiences. Welcome, Sri. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Uh, it is such a blessing to have you with us, and I'm so excited to learn from you today. Hmm. Let's, let's delve straight in. And I would love to find out from you, what does sacred feminine power mean to you? That is such a rich question. I feel like to, you know, I like that you add to me because to each person, I think it is so different. The feminine is so vast. Mm. Um, to me personally, it shows up in the forms of, softness and grace. Um, I'm really feeling this presence. The more I delve into my own feminine power, this, the power of ease and grace and a real um, softness is coming up. But also there's this, um, when I think of feminine power, I think of aligning our, our own selves with the power of the universe or with the rhythm of the cosmos, right? When we start to align ourselves with this form of presence, that's when this grace, this softness, this presence of nurture and ease and pleasure gets to um, unfurl in our lives. Mm, beautiful. And I love this whole concept of, of aligning with the power and the rhythm of the universe or the cosmos. Well, would you mind sharing a little bit more about um, how that manifests in your life in terms of that aligning your rhythm with that of the universe? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a continual practice. And for me, the biggest, I guess the greatest tool that I have in this female body is my menstrual cycle. I work really deeply with my own menstrual cycle, not just like charting it in my calendar and planning my life around it, which I do do, but also recognizing that this moon within my womb is a reflection of the moon in the sky. Mm. And as the moon in the sky waxes and wanes, so does all of life on this planet and yeah, like that to me really is, is anchoring. It gives me a sense of like, not only um, my vastness in some ways, because I, I am connected with all of this, but like the, 
the vastness of the entire universe when we tune into that relationship of this like waxing and waning, um, expanding and contracting, like this is always happening. Mm. Um, I, my, my menstrual cycle is probably the biggest teacher for me, but even more subtly, like even if you're not with a menstrual cycle at this point, you can still just drop into this relationship with the cosmos and the rhythm of it through breath. Like each breath is a, a death and a rebirth. Each mm. breath is just as the menstrual cycle is a death and a rebirth, you know? Mm. I love that. And I, I have a feeling that we're going to talk a little bit more deeply about that in a moment. But before we go there, I would love to hear from you. Um, could you share one challenge that you have faced that has helped you to activate sacred feminine power in you and in your life? <laughs> I feel like I might sound a little like a broken record here. And it's my menstrual cycle. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, I come from a family that has a, a pretty extensive history of womb related trouble through the mother line. Um, mm. my great grandmother and my grandmother both had to have full hysterectomies. My, um, my mom has had a lot of trauma in her womb and uh, I'm, I'm lucky to have several sisters in my family and we all have, have had various forms of womb trouble. But for me personally, that expressed as like starting when I was nine and 10 years old, I began developing ovarian cysts that were excruciating, right? I was put on birth control when I was 12 and that was just like what you did and that was the way it's just going to be. And it was like, you know, we were told that that was how we were supposed to live our lives. All of my sisters were put on birth control and we were told like, well, because our hormones are so crazy, we're just going to have to be like that. Mm. And that was just like not going to work for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to go too much into detail, but I mean, after, you know, a decade on, hormonal birth control it wreaked havoc on my body i realized that i um i think maybe the the turning point for me was actually um i had gotten married to a man that i did not love and i had gone off birth control to like you know do the good wife thing and have a baby with this man and i it was about a month and a half after being off birth control and I woke up one morning and I literally hated the smell of him. Like I realized it made me nauseous to, to smell my husband. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but actually hormonal birth control dampens a woman's sense of smell. Like we are hardwired to, um, I don't think it, it sounds a little animal and it is, but we're, we smell like the subtle pheromones of our partners and we find the ideal partner for ourselves based on that sense of smell. Mm. But when we take hormonal birth control or even like the, there's been some research showing that like the, the copper coil does a similar thing. Um, it changes our perception of the way people smell and it messes with our, like if we take this even deeper, this messes with our intuition and mm -hmm. our inner knowing. That's when it like, falling out of rhythm with life as we are meant to live with it or live within it wreaks havoc on our intuition. 
So mm. yeah, that's, <laughs> I hope that answered the question. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing so vulnerably about your, your own story and your lineage as well. And to be put on birth control at the age of 12, I mean, wow, that's pretty drastic. Yeah. And it, like, it wasn't just me. I have three sisters. All yeah. four of us were put on birth control in our teens. And it was wow. just like, that's normal. That's the thing that because you have this family history, you're going to have to be on birth control forever and you're probably going to have a hard time having babies. And oh, I just don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the challenge there is that most women don't even realize that there could be alternative ways of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. When I started to learn about cyclical awareness and the, you know, the, the natural flow of hormones through our bodies throughout the cycle, it, rocked my world so completely and I I definitely went through a process or like a, a time period where I was enraged like why isn't this taught in elementary school why why is not every little girl informed like your body is beautiful it's miraculous it's instinctively attuned to the rhythm of the moon here's mm. the way to live with it and work with it and flourish through it Instead, we're just, it's called the curse and we have to hide and we have to pretend that this isn't happening and we have to like push through, like be a man about it and go to work anyway and work harder and like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way you said be a man about it, which essentially is to deny our own very feminine essence on so many levels. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think we're kind of already flowing into the next question that I have for you, but I'm going to ask you anyway, and I hope you'll be able to expand on what you've started um, telling me um, so far. So what, what do you feel was the divine meaning or the hidden blessing in that seeming challenge of having those painful ovarian cysts and, and being put on birth control and really numbing your, your inner knowing and inner guidance through that? Mm. I mean, look at where I am. Look, it, it has gifted me this ability to serve so many and to hold these codes of awakening and remembering because I had to forget first, right? Isn't that the way it goes? You have to forget to remember. I had to go through that. I had to have no idea that I had this power that was encoded in me so that I could remember and then remind everyone who in, comes in contact with me. What a gift. It sucked. It sucked. <laughs> and now I feel like I wouldn't change it at all. Mm. I, can, I can also, like the gift that, there's so many gifts, but one of them that I feel really grateful for is I can actually like, you know, of course, not never completely know exactly what a person is going through, but like I can say, hey, I've been there. I've had ovarian cysts. My family has endometriosis. I know what that is like. And, and I can witness people and know for them as they're in this healing process. Like I know what's possible for me. And if it's possible for me, then I know it's possible for you to return your womb to this rhythm to return your life and your, your whole existence into a collaborative, co-creative dance with the universe is possible. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I have chills when you say that. That resonates very strongly. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit more about how you embody this in your everyday life? I mean, I, I, I understand that the menstrual um, cycle tracking is a very, very important part of that. How, how does the fact that you're a womb priestess or bhakti yogini, nidrista, how does that come into all of this? And how do you walk your path as a womb priestess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this like right rhythm thing, right? Like, so every single day, actually like three times a day, not everybody needs to go that full bore on it, but several mm-hmm. times a day, I practice yoga nidra which um, yoga nidra is the yoga of sleep. It's my favorite kind. You just lay down and take a nap. Um, But it's kind of more than that, right? It's paradoxically the yoga of awakening. But what I have found is, well, it's not even like what I found. Like this is kind of a a universal truth. Like currently rest is a radical act. Mm. And when, you know, again, we're going back to this, like you got to be a man about your period. Well, if you, take time to rest. That is feminine. That is yin. That is restorative. And I don't mean just like, yes, living inside the menstrual cycle is a big part of it. But if you think of like, I I mentioned it earlier that you can also attune to like each breath as this like death, life, rebirth kind of process, right? Mm. You can think of every day as that living each day by the cycles of time and, and inside this, okay, what does my womb guide me to do today? How am I feeling? How am I, um, am I needing rest? Am I needing food? Am I needing movement, listening in, finding that like after a while there starts to be this like flow, this rhythm that we fall into and constantly refining that rhythm day by day, moment by moment, breath by breath, back into alignment with the forces of the universe for me is the most powerful practice. Mm, absolutely. That's, that, that is beautiful. Um, and I would really love to hear a little bit more about your your womb priestess path as well. What does it mean to you to be a womb priestess and how how do you embody that? Hmm. Oh man, okay. So I think I'm gonna continue with this vulnerability because like this brought some tears. Um, Mm -hmm. Today, right now, I think I don't know. I think mm. um, it, I think that womb priestess is so deeply embedded in every breath I take mm. that I sometimes, you know, I said it earlier, we forget so we remember. Mm. Sometimes I forget. I feel like right now maybe I'm in a in a place of um, forgetting a little. Um, yeah, it feels there's something here really tender around the womb is sacred and vulnerable right Mm. um gosh i was just like reflecting a couple of days ago on this like contraction and expansion thing like you can't have expansion without contraction 
today, this week, right now. I feel myself in this place of contraction where all the practices that I adore don't feel good anymore. Mm. And where, you know, I feel a little stagnant and stuck as a womb priestess. Like, I feel this, like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm in this contraction right now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for, for being so honest and frank with that because I can so relate to that. And often to me, it feels like that contraction is absolutely necessary for us to move on to the next level on our own paths, no matter what that, what that means for each one of us. And somehow those contraction phases, especially when there's so much going on in the world and our attention is being drawn in so many different directions at the same time, we, we are kind of called to question those very things that have and do mean so much to us. And I, I just love how you, you shared about that so vulnerably because it is that vulnerability that to me at least, allows us to grow and allows us to relate and lead our lives as role models for others as well. Thank you. I'm often reminded that um, like in birth, it's not just expansion. Like the mm. cervix doesn't just automatically dilate. It has to contract. Yeah. So... In this moment, I feel like we are collectively birthing, like if you, if you resonate with this term, like birthing a new earth, mm. we're actively in this birth process now. We've been gestating it a long time. Yeah. Now, whoa, the contractions have come. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Yeah, that is exactly how it feels. And I think this is a perfect time for me to ask you, uh, if there's anything that you'd like to share with our listeners about really just navigating the times that we are in, in terms of the coronavirus and the global fear and panic it's, it's bringing to so many of us and the questioning that it's bringing. And at the other side, also the potential for awakening and potential for rebirth, that expansion that follows the contraction. Would you like to share something around that? Mm -hmm. I would love to. And just to continue with the vulnerability theme, like yeah. I'm still figuring it out. I still have my moments of fear and like, oh my God, what the world, what in the world is happening right now? Absolutely. Um, so there's a, a couple of things that I would really love to speak into. One of them I, is, is coming from this like real rooted womb priestess presence of remembering that the earth has our back the earth is here for us nature takes care of itself and we are nature so it's taking care of us <laughs> we're taking care of hmm. um, to me this moment is more than ever a call to come back into right relationship with the earth into right rhythm with the moon with the waters, with the earth herself. She's crying to us. You've got to come back. Remember, like we're all stuck in our houses right now, or like, you know, we are out of the way that we have been living our lives in this like fast paced, go, 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 do, do, do. 
Mm. Let's use this opportunity to reconnect with nature's rhythm, which is slow and steady and um, expanding and contracting, mm. but like always, it's like surrender is coming up really strongly. Like the earth doesn't fight itself. The forest doesn't fight itself. Everything is happening all at once in this place. And when we can surrender into it and recognize, okay, there's like, there is this divine cosmic rhythm having its way on our planet right now. Let's align into it rather than contract against it. Let's soften into it. Yeah, so that's that's one thing. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. the womb priestess presence. There we and go. Then, the like, the... Presence, presence came straight back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Expand and contract and expand and contract. Um, and then like the, the more bhakti yogini side or like, yeah, the, the yogini presence would say, um, I was just listening earlier to a, a really wonderful um, Ayurvedic teacher that I, I listened to quite a quite a lot. And um, the way he was speaking about it was, um, okay, so if you're familiar in, in like yogic philosophy of this concept called asuras or like demons, it's kind of how you can think of demons. Um, so like demons come in and take over the world and they're like, you know, doing all this nasty stuff. And this woman who was interviewing him asked him if she thought that this COVID-19 or coronavirus was a, a, an asura or a demon. Mm. His response was, well, what if, what if actually we're the demons? We are the ones who have been, um, you know, striving and pushing and raping and pillaging for lack of a better way to put it because that's what we've been doing to the earth right Hmm. that is an asura asuric action and anytime the asuras or the demons get out of hand and you can like replace this with anything like this you know negative forces whatever however you want to look at it anytime this gets out of hand that's when an avatar comes in incarnation that's when like you get krishna or Rama or Jesus or you know any of these like avatars that show us like okay hold on we can readjust here here's a different way to look at this well what if we think about ourselves as these asuras and the coronavirus as the avatar the coronavirus Mm. is the thing that's pulling us back reminding us hold on there's another way you got to remember you got to come back to this this way that's in harmony with life. Mm. Oh, wow. What an intriguing way of looking at it and uh, certainly makes a lot of sense on on many, many levels. Yeah, and I don't want to be like dismissive at all. Like this is a real thing. It's a real problem facing the entire planet right now. And Mm -hmm. and I want to like tenderly speak into the truth that people are dying, right? Like I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to minimize that or or dismiss it or say that like 
it's all great. <sighs> this feels tender. And I think I want to say, um, in addition to this like raping and pillaging society that we may have found ourselves in at this time, there's like, it feels to be this collective fear of death. We fear death as a, as a whole collective on this planet right now. Mm. And, and that shows up all over, right? That shows up as having to push through our menstrual cycles. That shows up as having to like, pro what, post, no, what's the word? <laughs> um, prolong, there we go. Prolong mm -hmm. people's lives in like nursing homes when like they have terrible quality of life. If we would just like bring them home to our homes and like let them die in peace, maybe things would be a little bit, um, I don't know, more... Alarm. Yeah, more aligned. Thank you. Thank you. Like, mm -hmm. let's not fight life. Death is a part of life. Mm. If we're going to embrace life in its fullness, that means we also have to embrace the death of it. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, I think we could talk at length about um, that fear of death that you have um, brought up and how that is really dictating for so many of us how we lead our lives. That's, that's, thank you, uh, Shri. Um, you've given us a lot of information here, a lot of food for thoughts. And I know that you also have an offer for our listeners. Could you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> I do. Um, it's a death practice. <laughs> <laughs> How fitting. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Um, so I, I spoke a little earlier about yoga nidra and how it's like the yoga of sleep, but also the yoga of awakening. Well, it is another way to look at it is a, a practice in dying, a practice mm. in, in letting go. Mm. Uh, when you practice yoga nidra, the practice is surrendering into that um, the space of awareness from which everything arises and dissolves. And in that process, in that practice, we come to terms with the fact that like this body is just a body and it's beautiful and, and helpful and wonderful and wise. And eventually it, it's not the whole of us. We are much faster. We are much, um, we are interwoven with the, with the fabric of existence that is beyond the body or this planet. And yeah, so the, the yoga nidra practice that I'll be sharing is uh, one uh, attuned to, to support you in returning to the right rhythm uh, with the universe, with the, the days, with your menstrual cycle, if you are a menstruating woman um, and just because it is a nidra practice, it also is slowly, softly, sweetly, gently going to support you in unwinding fear and resistance around death in all its forms. Mm. Oh, I love that. 
Thank you so much for that um, gift, uh, Sri. I'm, I'm sure so many of our listeners will be benefiting from this recorded, recorded yoga nidra practice. Um, I'll be sharing the link to this practice in the text um, that accompanies uh, this podcast. And at this point, uh, Sri, I, I want to just once again thank you for coming on this show. I really appreciate your your presence, your your energy, and all the wisdom that you have shared with us today. And we truly are blessed to have had you on this podcast. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Emmy, and thank you for all that you bring with this podcast and with your presence on this planet. Mm, thank you so much. Now, I would love for all of us, uh, Sri and I and our listeners, to really focus our intention on the beautiful, positive energy that's been activated during this podcast. And to really send this energy to everyone, everywhere on the planet, to remember that we truly are one, and to support us all to live lives dedicated to the sacred feminine, to love, to compassion, to being to joy and abundance. And this truly is the time for all of us to be stepping into our sacred feminine power. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Mm.